Hello, friends. Welcome to the next episode of the After Hours Lounge. Uh, I'm unbelievably honoured and humbled with my guest this week. He is so far the only guest I have had, but hopefully not the last one, to have voiced a surfing penguin in one of my favourite childhood films, Surf's Up. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I'm honoured to be joined by Mr. Uh, Salema Masakela. Salema, thank you so much for uh, for joining me today. Ah, thank you very much for having me. That's a, um, that's a great intro that brings back a lot of memories. Surf's yeah. Up, Surf's Up was a, was a, was an, a, it was an incredible film, but an even more incredible experience um, to be a part of, like all the way down to like even how I got to do that. How? Kelly Slater and Machado. Yeah, it's a trick. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I tried to find your scene on YouTube because I don't have a copy of it anymore. Or anything, but <laughs> I couldn't find it, but I think I remember you and, yeah, you, Kelly and Rob Machado on the beach as penguins just chatting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was it was it was crazy. You know, it's I had a friend who was working on the movie as a consultant. Yeah. And he he worked at Quicksilver at the time and he said, Oh, I'm going to Sony um to go and check out some renderings, some drawings for this the surf movie they're doing called Surf's Up. And I was like, that sounds cool. Do <laughs> you want to come with come with me? And I said, Yeah. So I went and you know, next thing you know, we're in the, in this, in the halls of this incredible animation um, room with all these artists and animators and they're talking about the details of where they want to go into the surfing with the surfing. And they're just showing us like computer renderings of how, the, how it might move. And I was like, oh, this might, this might actually be good. Yeah. And what was really funny is, is that they started talking about the plot and talking about how, uh, Cody, you know, the, the, the lead was going to um, be on this quest to be a pro surfer and that there was a contest. And so I, I was sitting there just quiet as the jet, as the guest of my friend. And I was like, so is there, is there going to be an, an announcer? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, definitely. I said, well, listen, I don't know how much you guys are aware of, but it's really important that you get the announcer right. Um, because that's everything at a surf contest. And they're like, really? I said, yeah. I said, also, I kind of happen to be that guy. Yeah. And they, I think they were a little perplexed um, that I, you know, I'm here, I am telling them, well, listen, don't, I'm like, don't let a bunch of yahoos audition for this. Like, I'm going to be that guy. And I just kept on, kept on nagging them and nagging them. And then finally um, they let me come in and read for it. And I crushed it and they ended up, it was only supposed to be like two pages, one scene. Yeah. And they ended up writing it. I ended up getting like 11, you know, 12 pages in, in the script, which was huge. And it ended up being a big focal point of the movie. And um, yeah, still can't believe I got to be in, in a movie with Kelly Slater, Rob Machado and Jeff Bridges. Yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, big Z, mate, big Z. Yeah, yeah. No, that was it. Was a weird. I I saw that film before I started surfing. You know, water, water sports as a whole. Really, I didn't start till I was eighteen. But I remember watching that, and I think it was a big thing. I was like, no, this this looks like a lot of fun, and all this. It was, yeah. It was cool because they they really went out of their way to tell a genuine story about surfing. And traditionally in Hollywood, like you get nervous when you hear that Hollywood's making a surf movie. You're yeah. like, oh, they're just going to make us look 
so so kooky yet again and that was what i loved about uh the team there they said we want this to be a love note to surfing yeah and and that's what it's the what it was and i get letters all the time or or these days like you know dms and stuff from from people with their kids and they're like my kids started surfing because of surf's up you know um which is which is cool never thought that that i get to be a part of something like that that's epic and the, the soundtrack is i still listen to it today I still have the soundtrack on when i'm working it's epic ah that's that's so good man. that's yeah. really good it's cool so um i mean tell you know I, i'm obviously very aware of um of your work but tell tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself other than being a penguin in surf's up um kind of who you are and what you what you get up to i'm a virgo i am a a, a a surfer, a snowboarder, and skateboarder, um, and I have for the last 22 years been a television host, um, sportscaster, play-by-play announcer, um, particularly in the, in the realm of the action sports space. So I was the host of the ESPN X Games for 13 years, as well as lead commentator um, for skateboarding and snowboarding. Um, which was a blast. I presently host a series um, for Red Bull called the Red Bull Signature Series, which I think you, I think you get over there across the pond. Um, I have been doing a lot of more, um, more like documentary style uh, journalism. Decade really like getting the opportunity to go out and and do storytelling where it can give people a, a glimpse at people and places through the lens of sports. Um, started with the World Cup of Soccer in South Africa, doing a documentary with my father there. Um, my dad who's over my right shoulder here, may he rest in peace. Who was an incredible musician and activist from South Africa, um, who was a political exile of South Africa for for thirty years during apartheid. And um, since we did that together, I've gotten to do a lot of great work with Vice. I had a, a series um, that I executive produced called Vice World of Sports, as well as some work with National Geographic. Um, so it, it's crazy because surfing and snowboarding and skateboarding is what got me into television, you know, um, as the sports were starting to explode really in the mid nineties, um, there weren't, and they started to put the sport on mainstream television, they didn't have, you know, accomplished broadcasters, like professional broadcasters who knew about the sports. So they went into our community and looked for people like myself who can't shut up, know a thing or two about the sports. And then I really got, I got a paid education in how to be a, a journalist and, uh, and a host and how to do play-by-play um, amongst the best in the world. And for me, it's always just been about curiosity. You know, I've always it's all about it's it's about having enough curiosity to want to engage in the best storytelling possible so whether that's storytelling what's happening in an event as an athlete who's trained all year um is putting down the run of his life or you know going out into the field um to learn more about how different cultures work and people and places and what you know how 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 sport affects a culture or how a culture affects sport the way I interact even at a political level. Um, 
those are all great things that um, I just can't believe that that's what I've gotten to do on this journey. Um, as well as I make music. Um, music was, was always my first love. I have a band um, called Alakazam, which is my last name backwards. Masakela is Alakazam. And yes, I write and I sing and have a couple of albums out. And that's kind of um, it's my, my, my baby passion. Yeah. The side hustle. So it's yeah. Yeah, I, I never thought it would be as uh, I never thought it would actually amount to anything that people would care about. I just thought like, I want to make music. I come from music. That was my first love before surfing. And I just thought, well, I, I want to start making some music and put it out there just so I can get this out of my chest, you know. And then, you know, wonder how people are going to respond to it. And in the last like decade, I've, I've gotten a chance to have music in a bunch of shows and, and movies. And um, it still blows me away when I go look at Spotify to see how we're doing and like, whoa, look at that. You know, that song just got, has over a million plays in, yeah. in the last like eight months or something. And it, it mean, it, it, it really, it's another form of storytelling really yeah. for me, um, making music. Definitely. I think, I think one of those things, and you kind of said it at the start there, like what's potentially made you so successful is having that, you had that authenticity and the passion for the things that you loved already. And then that's translated into you talking about them, you know, whether it is, you know, surfing, music, all that stuff. And often what I found as I'm getting older, you find the things that people have started that they didn't think were going to be big. They just started it because they loved it. They're always the things that become really big, you know? That is uh, 100% the case. I, none of these things that I do today were ever like, that's my career. Yeah. I'm gonna be that and it's gonna make money. It was like, I don't wanna get a real job. I've gotten fired from so many real jobs. How can I stay as close to skateboarding, surfing and snowboarding as possible? This is what gives me life. And before I, I, I got, involved in the industry, I worked every, every job under the sun. You know, I did construction. Yeah. Um, I cleaned houses and washed windows and, you know, was a, I was a janitor. I would clean car dealerships at night um, and, and office buildings at night and then just play through, surf all morning and then go home and sleep and do it all again. And, uh, at night, and I thought I thought at the time I had the best job in the world because I got to surf all day, um, while while everyone else was, you know, at real jobs. And you know, I worked at banks, I waited tables, I was a bar back bartender, I did all those things. And I, my friends were starting to come home from college with like jobs and money and like getting wives and stuff. And yeah. I looked, at, I was really confused with what their lives were. And the thing that I think I found most in common with all of, with the majority of them was that they didn't do the shit that, that they loved doing three or four or five years ago anymore. They thought it was kind of silly that I still wanted to surf and go snowboard as much as I did. And they thought it was something that you did on the weekends or annually for holiday. And I was like, nah, this is how we live. Don't you remember? And 
my parents were definitely frustrated with me, like, especially when I was around like 22, 23, and I still got nothing, you know? <laughs> I'm living in a studio apartment with a, little, with a little hot plate, no television, two surfboards, and happy as can be, no car, whatever, and like working a bunch of different jobs, but being able to like hustle enough to live my life the best that I could, like in a way that brought me joy. And it, it, ironically, it was like, it was getting a job as a receptionist, answering the telephone at Transworld Skateboarding and Snowboarding Magazine, where I finally found a community of people who worked really hard, had careers and were like smart and talented and professional, but they were all there for the same reason because they wanted to stay as close to and participate in the thing that had helped shape who they were as people, um, which was this lifestyle of, of action sports. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's something I say on the podcast a lot of the time. I, and I think you, you know, you've, you obviously found it quite early in your life as well. As I said, I started windsurfing when I was 18. And I think a lot of people do go through these lives. They either have a passion when they're younger or they go through life and they never find that passion. And I think irregardless of how much money you earn or how big your house is, all this stuff, you, you are going to end up leaving this world feeling a bit empty. If you haven't, if you don't feel like you've devoted your time to something like a crap, whatever it is, whether it's building Lego, playing snooker, you know, surfing, any, anything, but something that you can devote a few hours a week to and just get lost in, I think is, is a piece of magic in this world that a lot of people don't have. If you can find something that you love so much that you don't have to check your phone, then you've won. Yeah. That might be crushing two or three books a week for some people. Mm. They're like, if they just went out and climbed the mountain, right? Like it makes them feel alive to dance in story and to consume information and learn and get perspectives from all these billions of different ways that like people experience life. Um, whatever it is that can take you out of like being on the clock of life, right? Anything that like takes time and yeah, even the smallest bits of time, but like stretches it out so that you can remember moments like, like they're bigger pieces of time, uh, I, music, art, whatever it is, uh, I, sometimes even sitting and doing nothing mm. like, sitting in meditation like by yourself like you i learned all sorts of things about myself now as i've learned how to actually sit still and just be and turn a little bit more inward yeah um those are the things that um that make me feel the most alive and like you said like there is no amount of money or possessions or any of those things that are, it's gonna give you that. It might facilitate your ability to do the things more, but it's not gonna give you the thing. That's it, you know, I remember, cause I spent years as a windsurfing instructor in Greece and in Egypt and all this. And we'd have people coming out on holiday that were clearly very successful cause they could afford to come out on the holidays and stuff. And they come out and they'd go, oh, well, you know, I, I do this for two weeks a year, you teach me. And then, and then we come back again the next year and I spend the first week relearning what I learned last year and stuff. And it's, you know, and they're all, they're all wishing they could be like us and I'm getting paid nothing. And, you know, barely, I can just about afford to drink beers every night, you know, and they're jealous right. of us. And as soon as right. I realized that, I was like, you know, actually I am richer than them in a certain way, you know? Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would call it wealth. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, good work. that's, that's, it's, 
I'm pretty sure that when you expire, uh, as you're exiting into whatever the nexus is, you're not going to be sitting there being like, oh, I have so much money in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> or who's going to get my house or whatever. Like, you're going to be thinking, I, I, I think you're going to be thinking about how you made people feel, how they made you feel, and what are the things that you did that made you feel the most alive. Like, that's it. That's your, that's your, that, that, that's your stock market. That's, that's like, that, that's the, that's the investment that you want. I, I believe you want to be full of, um, when, when you exit. For sure. I mean, like, you know, for, for you as an example, I know you're, you're, you know, you're a very, very keen surfer and things like, I imagine surely your, your top three waves will hopefully be the last things you think about, you know, it's like that. They, they must ride. Oh, for sure, absolutely. I mean, I was up this morning at at five forty five, and you know, made my coffee and selected uh, what boards to put in the car, and and drove down to the beach as the sun was rising, and there was mist uh, over 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 these little marshlands on the way, and I was so excited. Yeah. Like no, no uh, expectation of what the experience was going to be once I got in the water, because I had a moment this morning and I was like, oh, this is, this is actually such a big part of the thing. Like being able to have this time yeah. just on the way, you know, to anticipating the thing. And yes, I did get a wave this morning. That was just like, my first wave was actually one where I was like, Maybe I just go in. Like it's not going to get any better than that. I, I really thought about it. I, I it was such a good wave, and it was so long. It was a right hand point wave that I had to get out, walk back up, and and go out around the jetty that I had paddled out at. And I was so proud of myself as I was doing it too. I was like, yeah, that's going to be a long paddle back. Let's just let's take the victory lap. And people were on the beach, and they were like, hey, we saw that wave. I was like, yes. <laughs> every once in a while this shit comes together you know and that 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 energy from that wave today literally is like what i carry and bring into this conversation with you and the rest of what i have to to, to do today like that literally is the is is the spark it's 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 the fuel for my day and so i try to get that in in whatever sort of small way that i can and when I, I get to experience it at a larger level yeah definitely I can yeah I can say as well I mean we don't get uh, where I am in the UK we don't get surf that much but last couple like a couple of weeks ago we were down in Cornwall and me and my girl my girlfriend's a teacher so I'm we're restricted by her holiday time so we were down there and we surfed yeah first thing every morning surfed and I'm like I'm done done for the day I'm literally great done. yeah you're good you, you you don't need that much it just needs to be quality. Yeah. The quality, quality of experience. Some of my best days were when the waves are, are the most shit, actually. Yeah. You know, those are some of the funnest days. And they prepare you for the days um, when it's really, really good. And you're like, hmm, who am I going to blow off today? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's it, that's an expectation thing as well, isn't it? You know, when it, when the conditions are pumping, you're like, Oh, you know, you get a bit stressed and I guess you take that into life as well, can't you? You know, you go, 
oh, I need, you know, I need to do well, I need to perform. Whereas if the conditions are a bit subpar, you can be like, well, I'll just take whatever I can get. And if you get a good one, you're like, well, that's a, that's a bonus, you know? You know, it's funny. I was, um, I went to do a job. I got in, an incredible job that I got to do for Atlas Obscura. Um, they, they make these really great travel books and I was doing something for them and with, uh, with another brand. And it was like, it was a big deal. Like, it's one of those things where like, oh, wow, I can't believe I booked this gig. And, you know, they're, they're, they're compensating me in a very good way. Yeah. Like, I, I forgot for a time that this is what I do for a living. And before I went on stage, I, it was a, a virtual event, you know, COVID friendly, what have you. I was like, in my head, I was like, man, dude, I gotta, I gotta do. And so we went and did a little rehearsal and after the first rehearsal, I walked off the stage and I just started chuckling. I was like, you sounded like you never did this before. Like, they doesn't matter how they're compensating you or that it's this big of a playing field. They pitch you because this is what you do. So just have some fun. And I went back up there and I just like, with no expectation, like you said, and just went off. I just yeah. went in all these different directions and afterwards they're like, oh my God, thank you. That was amazing. Da, 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 da. We don't need to do it again. And I just started chuckling. I was like, yeah, just remember like, this is what you love to do and no one else is going to define what it is, but you. Yeah. It goes, it goes back to the authenticity thing we were talking about, doesn't it? As long as you're, yeah. as long as you're going to be authentic and be, be Salema, then that's, that's what they want. That's what they paid for, you know? Any time in my life that I have tried to be like, Ooh, I should try to be a little bit more like this person yeah. because they're killing it. It is blown up in my face. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's like even like with, with your style, like when you're surfing, right? Like if you try to adapt someone else's style, you look like a really confused, yeah. awkward yeah. version of yourself. And your friends, your friends are like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. When you get out of your head and, and you just be and you find some flow, um that's where the magic happens when you get out of like expectation or trying to trying trying to be anything yeah other than yourself yeah yeah exactly we've all got to realize we're never going to surf like mikey february don't we yeah i've i've so a friend of mine said to me like six months ago i had posted a clip and of a couple of turns and I tend to always be somewhat self-deprecating because I think it's hilarious that we post clips of ourselves. And I was like, I really enjoy being average at this thing yeah. um, that I love so much. Like, I'm so grateful to surfing. And he hit me back and he's like, hey, that wave was sick. And those were two like top-notch turns. He said, do you know what your problem is? I said, what? You've been surfing around the best surfers on the planet for most of your life. And so you're confused at times at what the level is. Like, let that shit go. Cause it's offensive to the rest of us. And I was like, oh shit, I didn't realize I was doing that. <laughs> Thanks. It's a nice place to be, yeah. I mean, I've, yeah, I've been the same, like, you know, traveled, like I was saying before we hit record, I've traveled to Cape Town and stuff and we all, all windsurf on the same spot there. And like two of, couple of my best friends are, you know, top 20 in the world and stuff. And occasionally me and the other boys have to be like, Boys, we're doing well. We're doing well. We don't need to keep watching them. Like we're doing. Yeah, well. we're here. Yeah, and that's enough. Yeah, 
you know, um, and it, you know, it, it is a cliche, but in podcast past, you know, I did a podcast with another guy and we said that cliches are cliches for a reason. Kelly Slater saying that the, the best surfer is the one having the most fun, like that, that couldn't be more true. You know, whatever you're doing, as long as you're having fun. It's absolutely true. I mean, I watched someone ride a wave with style and grace and do little to nothing. And you just go, man, that would be so cool to look that cool doing the thing. It's a reminder that like, you just have to be like, that's literally all you have to do is be. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, you know, mo moving on a little bit, you know, I, we, as I said, I mentioned that um, I spent some time in, in Cape Town. Now, obviously, I don't want to talk about COVID because it's boring and we all talk about it far too much. Um, but obviously, 2020 has been a very difficult year for, um, for many other reasons for, well, the, pretty much the whole world um, with all the, the issues around, around race, specifically in America, but sparked, sparked all over the world, really, you know, especially here in the UK as well. I don't know if you saw like uh, John Boyega, an actor, you know, he, he led a huge march through London, um, you know, all this stuff. And it was yeah, cra crazy to see. Um, and I was saying before we hit record as well that for me, having been, you know, being, being white and, and Scottish and I grew up in a tiny, tiny town in the Highlands of Scotland, it wasn't really exposed to me any kind of things like that. Obviously, you know, you're always aware of it, but and you learn about it in school and all this. But I wasn't aware of it until I went to Cape Town on a windsurf trip and we drove to the petrol station and we pulled up and I was like, huh, everyone working here is black. And they come up and they wash your windows and all this and you give them a couple of rand and all this. And then we'd go out for dinner at a nice restaurant and I'm in there and I'm like, huh, hmm. everyone in everyone in here is white. And then we go to the shops and I'd go into the Ruka shop or the Volcom shop and I'm like, huh, everyone in here is white. And then we go to Burger King or KFC and I'm like, huh, everyone in here is black. And it, it, it really, it was a strange thing. It, it kind of hit me and I mean, I was 23, 24 at the time. So, you know, I wasn't young anymore, but certainly not old. And I, I, it did, it did kind of catch me unawares for a few days. It took me a couple of weeks to really kind of be like, oh, this is how life is out here. You know, this is weird. And like mm. the, the poverty there and compared to the, the wealth you see is insane. But um, yeah, that, that really, really struck me. So I was wondering if you could, um, you know, discuss what you, your role has been over the last few months. Um, and I know you, you know, as you said, your, your father's from, from South Africa. I don't think it's not Cape Town though, is it? Um, my, my, my dad was from Johannesburg. Okay. Um, but we spent a lot of time uh, in Cape Town. I have some family in Cape Town and actually all around South Africa. Um, but yeah, I mean, my dad had to leave South Africa for his life in wow. 1959 because the apartheid system was so insidious yeah. like what you experienced was was post-apartheid but like the uh the long trail of of what that system was still very much exists especially at a at a, at a socioeconomic level mm. um things have gotten better yeah um there but it has a long 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 way to go and the story that you tell is like being in a country where there's like 40 something million um indigenous black south africans and you know a, less than a third of that um in in, in, in afrikaner or, or european descent yeah. folks and you everywhere you go where there's money you saw people in servitude mm. 
Um, and any, any time you were in a place where there was sort of like, you know, what we what we would consider um, jobs at the at the at the service rung, right? Mm-hmm. It was all black people, and that's a product of apartheid. Um, and my when my in my my dad's day, you know, it was literally like white and black people being unable to interact. You know, the only only time that a person like me would find themselves in your home would be if you know I worked for you. Um, but we wouldn't sit together and, and bake bread. And if I was in your neighborhood, even a policeman could stop me and ask me for my passbook, essentially, which would be like a passport to mm-hmm. make sure that there was a reason that was signed off by someone that looked like you dictating and affirming that I was supposed to be in your neighborhood and I was allowed to be in your neighborhood. And if that passbook wasn't in order, I could easily be thrown in jail. Yeah. You know, and that's just like a, that's just like a, 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 a such a cliff notes of, of what apartheid was. It was shitty. It was horrible yeah. in every way possible. Um, and my dad left. My dad was a really talented musician. He didn't want to live that like that anymore. And he came to America. He started in London and came to America and went to, to music school here and was able to craft an incredible career where he influenced the world um, musically. And the one thing that he kept doing in the 30 years that he was unable to go home was continue to fight for apartheid to end. Mm. And he also by default found himself always standing on the side of and being an activist for disenfranchised people, especially people who were disenfranchised because of prejudice and race. So he came to America straight into the civil rights movement. Like yeah. he was like, I just left, <laughs> I left this shit. Yeah. And now here I am. And my dad, he's like, you know, I'm an, I'm an African, I'm, I'm, this isn't my fight and I'm just here, you know, to make music. Um, he could have done that, but he didn't. Like he said, all right, what do I need to, to what do I need to know? And where do we go? Yeah. And so he immediately found himself in, in in the fight and people were so blown away. They were like, wow, this, you're not, you don't even have this history, but he identified, you know? Um, And so for me to be, to be able to grow up and have that example of of someone who was outspoken and for him, you know, you you hear the phrase silence is violence. Mm. My father's idea of like, if you were silent about what you see and you don't speak up for, for those who um, who are being disenfranchised, who are being oppressed, and you're participating. You're just as, you are just as complicit as the people who are, who are putting of violence. And when I say violence, that can be physical, it could be mental, emotional, it could be economical. Like you're just as complicit as those who are actually the, the, the architects of the violence. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, for, for, for me, it, it's something that's a, it's a subconscious thing. Like I have to speak on things when no one, when, 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 when it's apparent that it's, that's what's called up for me. Mm. And one of the things that during this time, I know we're not gonna talk about COVID, but one of the interesting things about this experience of COVID is that it forced us all like, we were, we were cut off from so many of our distractions Mm. that that we 
invent for ourselves all day. Like we, we are so spoiled, right? We could just have, have the ability to be as distracted as we want and into as many things as possible, go to any place we wanted to, et cetera, see whoever, whatever. I yeah. get out be like, you know what? I want to go to London tomorrow. Bing, gone. All that shit shut down, right? Our, our way of life changed. And so for the first time in a very long time, just as a, as a society, a global society, we were all forced to pay attention to the same bit of things, especially if they were big and impactful. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the George Floyd um, execution in particular was something that no one had the ability to say that they missed because yeah. they, they didn't have any other shit to do. So they were not only were they watching, but they didn't have anything to run off to to forget. Yeah. And so people had to sit with it. And, you know, the fact that it was eight minutes and 46, it's 46 seconds long and there was no question what happened. It, it, it forced people to, um, for many people, it was the first time that they actually got the awareness after years and years and years of these things happening. For many people, it was the first time they got the awareness that like, oh, mm. hmm, these people do get treated differently mm. um, and differently is, is, is so the wrong word, right? Yeah. It's the, treated in, a, in an, an abhorrently uh, unjust manner by the people who we pay to serve and protect us. Mm. And so I think what it did, it, it was such a powerful moment that it resonated through 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 the entirety of, of, of our of our fabric in America where any place where where racism has been tolerated has been hiding um, has been indifferent suddenly it was like a black light mm. we're going to look at all of it and for, for us as a people as black people any for me in my spaces it was it, that was a moment where I was like yeah we're going to talk about it here surfing yeah. snowboarding where i've been one of the the, the few people uh, of of note that look like me that have a voice within the platform and and also seen and experienced um the myriad ways in which these communities by way of privilege and a lot of times naivete and ignorance have put up a wall towards others to participate mm. Um, especially uh, at a at a race level, um, I've experienced all 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 types of of of, of, of racism uh, in surfing as well as and those experiences. People go to do these things to forget the world, right? It's where you go to like to be free as possible from the shit in the world, and there is so much shit outside of of the conversation of race. But for me, to, in order to go to do the thing that I love, to leave everything behind, I also had to like have this thing that I had to, to deal with and navigate because of people's ignorance. So I had to be that much better. Um, I had to, to prove that I belong in the space. And a lot of times people made me feel like, hey, you're, you're a different kind of black, black guy because you're, you're more like us, not like them. Sure, yeah. you're, you're welcome. We'll allow you to participate not like this is just as much yours as it is mine 
but this idea of allowance or you're different because you've navigated your way up to my level. Mm. Well, I, I, and I'd be like, I, the only reason why there aren't a bunch of people who look like me doing this is because people who look like you have done a very good job constructing barriers, yeah. both visible and invisible, to keep it that way. That's the only why reason why it's that way. And now more than ever, I've just felt the need uh, to speak on it. Not to speak on it to, to, to point fingers and accuse people, of course. Um, but to speak on it so that this can be a, a, a big momentum period to start to, to, to help these industries to see the, the necessity and the benefit of inclusion, of how much this landscape gets to grow and the way it gets to grow if, in, if it includes different people from different ways of life, mm. um, bringing their flavor to it. You mentioned Michael February before. Yeah. How long it took for a, a, a black South African to get on tour. Yeah. If surfing was allowed for black people during the, the 40 years of apartheid, do you know how many, there would have been a shit ton of black people. Yeah, they'd have all been there. Yeah, yeah. Like there would have been all sorts of South Africans and Africans in general. Yeah. But literally like black South Africans couldn't go to beaches where the whites went to. And those beaches nine times out of 10 were the ones that were actually protected with shark nets. Yeah. And because of like the, the, the beautiful structure of uh, wealth disparity and, 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 and poverty, like the idea of, of, a, of, a, of a black South African being able to even afford a surfboard and then go to a place, et cetera, like fantasy land, it wouldn't, wouldn't exist, you know? And it's the same thing here. Mm. People don't realize that like, you know, in here in America, in the last 50 years, 60 years, like when black people tried to go to certain beaches that people would call the police and then the police would come in droves, literally with dogs in the water to drive them away from these safe spaces of, of, of privilege. Imagine like, imagine deciding that like wading in the ocean yeah. is something that you're gonna be like, no, that's for us. Yeah. Sorry, that's, that, that's not for us. You could do it over there where it's not nice, but that not, not here amongst us. Yeah. The ocean, yeah. the fucking ocean. <laughs> that's how absurd and wild, like the, the construct of, uh, of racism is. So, um, I've just been doing what I can to help raise awareness um, and speak on things. And, and I have a foundation called Stoked. Where you really get the opportunity for um, kids that would normally not have the opportunity because of the things that I mentioned to, um, to be able to get access and get in the water and skate and snowboard and, and, and have their lives informed by the lifestyle and open themselves up to, to new opportunities uh, and new choices. And I've, I've also been really pleased with, with what I've seen as not sort of um, token service or like how do we get people like Salema to shut up, yeah. um, but, but people, especially in the industry and brands who realize like, wow, we've been complicit and we realize, we also realize like what this will do for our brands 
and, and how this will improve the landscape and that we'll make more money if we, we, we open this thing up to other people. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, think about this from a financial standpoint within your business. Yeah. Look at the landscape and see if, see the different manners in which being inclusive inside your company, as well as like how you're marketing the people, find a way to be able to make that make sense within your books. Cause this is a capitalist fucking society. And I, I would be much rather, I'm way happier when people realize like, oh, this makes sense for us to make money to, to, to do the right thing. If, if, it, if, if that's what it's gonna take for it to become a natural part of your culture to do the right thing, yeah. knock yourselves out by any means necessary. I'm always happy when people are earnest about it um, and they just want to do it. But also if they're like scared that they're not gonna make money because the landscape is changing, sweet, here's how you do it. Yeah. I guess it's just a, it must just be a worry that it's just going to be a case of, as you said, like ticking boxes, you know? Uh, yeah. Like, you know, we've done this, you know? Yeah. And I don't want it to be ticking boxes. You know, I want people to realize like, this makes sense. This is as right as any of the other things that you pride yourself on that made your brand what it is today. So do you want to make your brand better? So here's a really easy, low hanging fruit um, by which you can do so. Um, because look, this America, especially like we're a toddler. We literally like, we're not even out of the, the playpen yet as a nation relative to uh, the, the rest of, of the world. And you can literally see us right now as a country, like with a dirty ass diaper. <laughs> yeah. Like people are just like, oh, that poor child, yeah. the diaper is like sagging and Full, like it smells and you're just like, is anyone going to change this baby? Can't you see? Um, and it looks like we're getting close, but yeah, I was gonna for, say. For, 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 for a good portion of our country, they're actually would be more satisfied to sit and stew in it rather than admit like we, we need to change so that we can grow and move forward. And that's sort of the, the interesting place that we find ourselves in. And one of the places, unfortunately, that it manifests itself um, is in race, because this is a country that was literally built on the backs of slaves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you, do, you feel, do you feel pressure or is it one of those things, you know, you said this stuff was all sort of instilled by your, by your father and things, but... Do you feel pressure to kind of be a, a sort of spokesperson for it and things, or or is it just so so ingrained in in you know in who you are already? It's in my DNA, man. Yeah. It's in my DNA. I I can't I can't watch things um, take place that I don't agree with at the core of my being um, and remain silent. It's actually it's unhealthy for me. Yeah to do so. It's, it's literally unhealthy. And listen, I mean, not everybody likes what I have to say. Um, there are plenty of people within the action sports community that would much rather me be that cool guy that like, he always tells me the rad stuff that's going on when I'm watching television, but like, oh, there he is talking about these things that I hate. I wish he'd shut up and just be that guy. Yeah. I get it all the time. People are in my, in my DMs being like, you know, 
I've grown up watching you my whole life, man. And it just breaks my heart that, you know, you would just, you, you, you talk about this stuff and politics, man. That's not what it's about. There's no, we're not racist and surfing and, yeah, okay. Cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of proved it. Yeah, cool. Whatever, whatever rocks your boat. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I do, I, 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 I like the direction overall that I've seen more people willing to have the conversation and understanding that they need to learn um, and that they need to participate. I think a lot of times people think that like, it's the um, aggrieved parties that need to do the fixing. You see it across the landscape, right? You see it um, with gender issues or you know, with, with um, sexual identity it's it people assume that like they, they see that they see the passion that which with which people are 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 engage in activism and they think that the activism from the people that um have been wronged or find themselves on on this on this like not trying to win anything just want to be on the level they think that that's where the, the fix is that's not what fixes it. That just gets us to the point where everyone's paying attention. And then it's your responsibility to figure out what ways can I engage so that they don't have to go out and march in the streets anymore. So they don't have to fucking beg to be seen as equal so that they don't have to worry about like walking outside of their homes because of how they look like or what gender they choose or who they choose to be with and wonder whether or not they're gonna make it back home because someone is just so incensed that they exist that they want to contemplate ending their life or they want to make them feel so uncomfortable that they're going to traumatize them, you know, either overtly or with like constant jabs of microaggression that end up adding up to feeling like you got punched in the face anyway. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember listening to another one of your podcasts and you told me about that, the checklist you run through before you get in a car. And that was so that was so alien to, to me. Like I've never, you know, I've seen it in films and, you know, I've seen, you've seen, I've seen the videos on social media of, you know, people in the car, I'm recording you and the police or you can't be and all this. And, but you know, to hear you, you say that, you know, it was, yeah, it was crazy. Cause like I said, it's just, just so, so far removed from the, the reality that I, I kind of grew up in. Um, yeah. so, you know, it was something that really resonated with me. I think it was the one you did on, on the lineup with, um, with David. Yeah, with, with Dave Cronin. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people hit me up after that and they're like, I had no idea. And I was like, yeah, you see, you think that because I'm, I'm well known or whatever famous that like, suddenly like I'm not black anymore to <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Hey, everyone. I've achieved a uh, such a level of notoriety and fame that is over an issue and I move through the world every day yeah uh, just you know become famous and you'll be fine that's not that's uh, that's not the case that's, you know you, you went like you said I, I get my car and I do a checklist I make sure that my wallet is here and I don't have to go in my glove box for for, for my registration it's yeah. here you know when the when the when the policeman comes up my camera is my phone is, is is pointed and I have it on video it's recording and I have my hands at one and two yeah uh, you know, nine and three, and yeah. I answer everything this way. And unless the cop tells me to do it, I don't fucking do it. And the whole time I'm just like, 
I can't wait this till this is over. I hope he doesn't walk back and ask me to get out of the car. When they go back and they run your thing and they come back and I'm just like, please, 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 please don't ask me to get out of the car. Yeah. Because at that point, like, I don't know uh, what that what that mean. I've just I've seen too many examples of what it could mean, and I've had too many experiences where the police have been actively trying to find a reason to search my vehicle yeah. or understand how this vehicle is mine or why why I'm even in the neighborhood where I am, etc. You know, and the only time that I've ever had to beg for my life. In, in so far in this time that I've been on the earth has been in two instances, both at the hands of the police. That's yeah. the only time. It's insane, isn't it? You, you know, you think they're there for, for another reason and things, don't you? You know, you think they're, you think they're there. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't actually fault the people who choose um, to become policemen. I think there are a lot of people who, who grow up with this novel idea that like, yeah, I'm going to make a difference. Mm. The, the culture of, of policing in America and what it's built on isn't about that. And a lot of people that become cops in our country mm. go in with a great intention and then get worn into like this idea, like, oh, I'm in this, this, this club where we all do the same or I'm the odd person out. Yeah. And they get worn down enough without they they think that it isn't us against them situation. And I, I have empathy for the fact that, like, yes, they these people do put their lives at risk to do the job, but that's also what you signed up for. Yeah. And so for me personally, the idea of like making a person a heroine just because they took the job. Be heroic in the manner in which you do your job. And I will honor you as a hero all day. But because you have a uniform on, that perhaps puts you in a position to feel like you can do anything you want and have this one interaction, like change, could change your life. Like they have the power to change your life yeah. by the manner in which they, they are going to administer the law. And for, for, for many people during this time, the, the, the reason why black people, for the majority of black people in America are so frustrated is because they just say, all we're saying is, can there be some level of accountability? Like y'all are in the position to make me accountable for my actions. Who, who renders, where's the accountability for this job that we call one of the highest in the land? Yeah. That we so instantly honor. Like, a little bit of accountability here to make it so that these guys can be so proud that if they see someone else acting up or is that per or that person, they feel that that's everything they can to eradicate them from doing that job, a job where being a shitty person can literally be like, I, I, can, I can I can change your life and I can end your life. Yeah, I guess it. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've listened to various bits about it, but as I said, like the, the police side of it is, I know, I know it is quite bad in the UK as well, but it's so different because there are no guns here, you know, so that, that, that makes a huge difference. You know, a policeman can pull them over. And I mean, again, I'm speaking from a position of, you know, non-informed, but I think that that is one of those things, but by the sounds of it, it's a, 
you'd hope that they're just investing in, in training as well and actually training these guys more and, you know, and mentally training as well, more than anything of like how to, you know, because not being stressed in these situations and that's what, you know, may cause, you know, they're worried or they, you know, and then you, before you know it, you know, an action's happened that you can't take back. Yeah. I, I feel I do feel for a lot of these officers because they're put in situations that they literally, like you said, they just weren't trained for mm. um, and, and don't have the patience for, especially when it comes to, you know, the idea of um, dealing with people who are experiencing real mental, emotional, psychotic battles, you know, and, and if you don't have the training, on, on how to talk someone down or, or how to engage um, those type of, of, of people in a way that um, doesn't involve violence. You know, the, the, the protocols that you're used to administering for a criminal um, could send a, a person who's dealing with a, you know, mental emotional mania into a, some other thing that ends up escalating. And, you know, we, we, we see the results of, of, of what that is. So, yeah. Yeah, I hope that in my lifetime um, we start to see that type of training and also like see the see the police be supported with people who don't carry guns, whose job it is literally to like be able to engage with and de-escalate. Yeah. Like that's that's your job is like to de-escalate as opposed to like every time there's some shit popping off, you know, send in literal like tanks um, to escalate situations. And, yeah. you know, you've already seen what what happens in America when people take to the streets to exercise their their rights to protest? Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. I guess, yeah, like like you said, you know, like well, for, again, from a mental point of view, like so many people, especially at the moment with everything that's happening this year and things, like a lot of people are just one bad day away from some, you know something really bad you know it's so easy to catch people at the wrong time at the moment so you know someone gets especially over. yeah yeah especially now when people are struggling economically in in and their families have been torn apart um by these times um you know they've they've lost jobs they've lost people they've been sick you know their lives have been turned upside down you know and everyone's on edge and, and yeah. heightened and i guess one of the things that i that i that i do try to do you know with the platform that i have is I, I i try to connect with people at a heart level i really do my best to connect with people at like a we're right here experiencing the same type things level and mm. when and I, I try to express myself in a way that 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 people will understand that we have we are we so much more in common um and i'm i'm grateful that that people respond to to that and it makes it easy for me to just kind of be myself yeah i mean i was going to say kind of you know lead, leading on to you know you on on kind of social media and things another thing that i kind of wanted to chat to you about is your your sort of you know, lack of like needing to to feel like you should be Saloma Masakola on on your Instagram and things like that. Like you're so kind of honest and transparent with your with your life, like whatever is going on and things. Um, 
is that has that come from just a, a life of being in front of a camera or is that like you said you literally just trying to trying to connect with you know connect with people and like you said show show that we've got more in common than we do have uh, you know things apart i grew up touring with my with my father from mm -hmm. the time and my dad would play these sold out shows and people would be screaming his name and he you know he, he put audiences in a rapture with his music and his storytelling and when he came off that stage and they met him i always just i always just remember how shocked they were at how he saw them eye to eye and how he wanted to know about where they worked or what was the great the, what where they liked to eat and what restaurant in town was was great and where their family was from or you know how much he might know about the country they may have been from yeah. uh, because he studied their culture etc and it was it was like uh it, it was it was it was just it was it was marvelous uh to to, to watch and i always thought like I, I, I want to be able to engage with with people in that way and so that's that's really where i got it and you know my my, my dad what my dad did wasn't the definition of who he was it was a part of him but it wasn't the definition of him and so i i try to I, I take the same approach i happen to have a job where like i interact with millions of people um at, at at a given time but once that camera's off that doesn't it doesn't give me any special powers yeah you know i don't it would take it would it would it would be so much to walk around with that energy so that anytime a stranger came up to me i'd be like hey yeah <laughs> you know like <laughs> you know like if you have a friend who's a teacher right um and they you know came around with you to the pub and they just talked to you like you're one of their, you're one of their students the whole time you're like what it's class is over like relax <laughs> just be you know be yeah. yourself and so that's that's what i uh that's really what i aim to do and yeah. i'm 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 lucky that i mean i have respect for the people who make their social media like uh a job and they are hyper curative about everything and all the edits and I'm, I'm like wow that's cool but it just looks exhausting to me so yeah if i'm feeling like saying something from bed you're gonna get me from bed yeah i think i think that's that you know especially at the moment where you know you know in in 2020 but even even in the lead up to that i think that that was starting to resonate with people so much more like people don't want to see life through rose tinted glasses curated and all this because that's not what life is like going back to what we said at the beginning of the podcast people want to see people being their authentic selves you know yeah i feel bad for the um i feel bad for the influencer culture yeah like people who i'm lucky that i came up in television and i came up with like a specific job and duty um to deliver in this space as a journalist or commentator or whatever and then oh i happen to already have some some notability when along came this social media platform that it 
gives you the ability now to build and work on your brand um, when you were paying people to do that before, like to, to market you so that, because you the thing about what I do is like, I'm constantly, I'm constantly interviewing for a new job. Like each job that I'm doing is an interview for the next job. Yeah. And, and then in between time, it's like, hey guys, kind, kind of still here. <laughs> Give me a call. Okay, love you, mean it. It's a weird thing. So social media comes along and you're like, oh, what an interesting tool. I don't even know what to do with this. It feels a little self-serving. And I, it took me a long time to learn for a guy who speaks to millions of people for a living, the yeah. idea of like now doing that naked essentially was strange. Yeah. But then up comes like this next generation who harness it to actually build a brand and then their entire brand is defined by people's relationship with them in the phone. I couldn't even begin to imagine what that might be like. And you know, getting your angles right and filters and hey guys and all that stuff. Ooh. Because when they're out in the streets, the people really expect them to be that person that they have curated for the phone. And this other this other generation is like, what do you mean you're not on the clock? Like, take a selfie with me now or I hate you. And I'm going to tell everyone I'm lying about how much I hate you. Like yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a, a level of, of, you know, that would really, really mess with your psyche and, and, and being able to have that separation of who you are and what you do. And you see it with a lot, a lot of like young uh, YouTubers and, and, and Instagram stars who after a few years, they have to like pull the plug and go get their, go get their minds right. And like build, relationship with them gain intimacy with themselves and and learn how to sort of recalibrate because it's just been in in this way so i and i, and I feel for them and i've heard those stories and i'm like wow that i, I could couldn't imagine what that is so i'm, I'm that I, i've had this little bit of um thing that i was doing before that allowed me to sort of like in no, understand to respect the power of what you have in your hands uh, as you put yourself out there um, via social media. Yeah, I guess that's a great <clears throat> kind of a great way to look at it. You already had that experience in front of a camera, and then you can kind of just <clears throat> you've already got that audience. You just apply who you are already to that different medium. Whereas, like you said, trying to you know, there's a reason Superman has a disguise. Like if he walked outside the building in his Superman suit every day. Like that's exhausting to have. Could you imagine yeah. every day he just walks out with the cape and the boots on? Ah! <laughs> like, he was like you said, he was Clark Kent for a reason. Yeah. And for most of these these people who have built their 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 celebrity online, it's a it's it's a man. I I could because. I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't imagine looking at my number of followers and if it goes down, being like, oh, money gone. I just lost, I just lost money. To me, like, okay, cool. The people follow, yes. And I'm, I'm I'd like to I'd like to curate an audience, but not at the expense of myself. Yeah. Not at the expense of like being able to to be me. So I'm not for everybody as a result, but I'm really, really lucky that like 
the people who find me know that they can engage with me and we we can treat it like you're in my house mm. you know it's uh yeah treat it treat it more like treat it more like real life you know they, a lot of people forget that the word social is in front of social media you know it's yes it's it's for it's for having conversations and chatting to people and meeting people and it's great that it's used for businesses now i mean it's what i do for a job um and it's amazing but i think a lot of people, a lot of people forget that aspect that it's there to connect with people not to look at a number go up and down and have heart palpitations because of it <laughs> yeah i mean and also not the place to like tell someone to fuck off just because you're uh, unhappy with um, what they might have to say or, or may maybe you're jealous of, 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 of them or there's something going on in your life that makes you feel like, you know what, I'm just going to put it out this way. Yeah. Nah, nah. Because if you saw me in the street, chances are you you're not, you, you ain't going to say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it can it can be such a toxic place, and it is it is such a shame. And I do think we're learning to live with it. And and you know, but that another reason, yeah, reason why I wanted to get you on is because the way the way, in my opinion, the way you are doing social media is the right way to do it. Of just like, here's me, I'm me. Follow me if you want. If you don't, I'm off. You know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. And I'm gonna do that. And uh, that's really thank you. That's that's hum that's humbling, man. I I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I am um, okay. my my. The social media people uh, on my team uh, would would I'm going to tell them like, hey, I, I spoke to this really smart chap across the pond and he he says I'm good, so maybe <laughs> stop asking me to do so much. Yeah, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's it like it is. It's a great way of doing it, and and I think you know I think I do think you know in, in my personal circle that they all treat their social medias like that and. And I think it is a great way to do. And even even brands and businesses, you know, you see, even you know, I follow a lot of the surf brands and stuff, and they've kind of taken a bit of an approach as well of just being, you know, you can tell that there's a person behind that account and not a, you know, yeah. corporate stiff up, stiff, you know, suited, you know, whatever. And I think, I, I think that's a nicer way, and I think that's going to help people's mental health in the in the long run of people people realizing that there's actually a person on the other side of the screen. Yeah. Um one one of the other things i think that that the covid times have done especially when it comes to that influencer set is like now this this like being paid to be places and just look cute is not a thing anymore yeah because they're not gonna and like being able to like make that your whole life that people are like wow look at this person's life it's like wizard of oz like suddenly pull back the curtain and there's people who are like um, yeah, my life is just kind of like yours. And I was really enjoying pretending living this high horse thing, but it was all a, a ruse. And I do, so it feels like some sort of order is kind of restored from this whole, you look at your phone and be like, well, Fuck! Why did I even get out of bed this morning? Look, <laughs> this person just—all they do is kill it twenty-four-seven, which is not real. People pay them to make it look like they kill it twenty-four-seven, and that's that's so degrading for so many people's mental health to see that. To like like com comparing yourself um, is is such a big problem. And I mean, I I struggle with it myself as well. You know, like comparing yourself to other people and why am I 
why don't I look like that more? Why don't I have more hair on my head? Why am I skinnier? <laughs> you know, all this stuff. You yeah. Know, it, it's it's really tough. And I think, yeah, the more the more people learn to be more of themselves and actually, you know, Salema is valuable as Salema. Sandy is valuable as Sandy, not trying to be someone else. Um, and I think, like you said, that's that's the kind of the best way to go. But it's it's really difficult in this day and age with all the screens and distractions and people doing things. The, the one thing that I, I say to people um, regularly when they ask me, like, what's your what's your one piece of advice that you would give somebody aspiring to sort of make their dreams um, a reality and whatever that might be mm. is. Um, nobody, absolutely no one has what you have to give. No one. Mm. How many billion people we have on the planet now? Eight? Seven or eight, yeah. Seven or eight? None of them have what Sandy has. Yeah. You can line up all eight fucking billion plus of them, and you'd be sitting there going, told y'all. Not me, One, <laughs> one of one. Mm. And that's what makes us so incredible. Mm. And the into abandoning ourselves to perhaps appeal to a bunch of people who to temporarily enjoy us mm. until they find something else that's shiny and go after that is yeah. it's literally insane and it breaks people's souls yeah it breaks it it breaks the people who work so hard to strip themselves of themselves to become someone us and then they're left holding nothing and we've got to do we really got to be responsible uh, for each other that way because i don't think people realize like the human capital lost mm -hmm. um as people strive for 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 this idea of what they think fame might be in a way that's far more ex ex that's literally in the palm of your hands yeah exactly well like 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 you said at the beginning i imagine i mean for you you know you're I've chatted to a couple of reasonably famous. You're definitely the most famous person I've, I've spoken to so far. But well, I, you you need to you need to get to work then. <laughs> yeah, damn. Yeah, you, do you know anyone? Yeah. So you know, I guess you're you're probably more stoked with those guys this morning on the beach who may you know they don't know you as Salema Masakela, but they're like, dude, I saw your wave. It was sick. Than all the people at an event or whatever in the last few years running up. Oh, Salema, Salema. Like which which of those interactions do you do you cherish more? You it's know? literally that person in the water. Yeah, exactly. Um, that you paddle up to and you have a conversation in between waves, and you they they go off and and you go off and and they never find out, or maybe they find out afterwards that mm. what I do is what I do. I was paddling out this morning, <laughs> and we we had to paddle you paddle out again. Right, so that it sucks you out, but also not when a set's coming because today was a little bit bigger, so that you don't get smashed to the rocks. Yeah. So I'm um, timing it. I'm jumping in the water, and there's another guy next to me, and he's yelling across to me as we're about to duck dive like a solid five foot wave. Hey, anybody ever tell you you look like that one guy? <laughs> duck dive, get washed down, come back up, paddle side by side. He's like, 
like, yeah, anyone ever tell you you look like that one guy? And I just go, yeah, all the time. And I just keep paddling. Yeah. So he's like, he goes, yeah, I get it. I understand why. So we paddle out, we're sitting and we're catching waves. And he paddles up to me. He's like, I know you. I fucking know you, man. He's like, I thought you looked like the guy, but then I heard you talking in a lineup. Like, no, that's him. He's a. It's really cool that you didn't just say like, yeah, well, that's that's because he's me. He's yeah. like, I just I just thought to myself when I was paddling back out, like you easily could have said that, and and you didn't. And thanks, like I I, I appreciate you for that. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no problem. Like. It just, I said, you answered the, you asked me a question and I literally gave you the answer to the specific question. If you asked if it was me, I would have said yes, but that's not what you asked. And he's, and we had a good laugh about it. So, yeah. No, it's funny. Like, you know, I've, I've met a couple of like very famous people randomly in my life. And I, I always like to think I played it pretty cool, but it is, it's such a strange thing. Even, even before chatting to you, I was kind of like nervous and stuff, but we just need to realize that, you know, it's, it's just you were just you're just a human at the end of the day, you know. I'm still the worst when it comes to like really really famous people. Yeah. Like people always say to me, like on, on socials, because I'll tell a story about how I met the person. And they're like, but they met you. I'm like, no, just yeah, I, I, I do the thing all, all the time. I, I fan out for people that uh, you know I appreciate their work. I forget. Everything that I just said right here, I'm not feeling like, I'm like, oh my God, I do what do I say, et cetera. And uh, it, it's fun. I guess, you know, when you appreciate people yeah, um, and you've connected with them and then you get to meet them in real life, you hope that they're going to be the, those people that you, that you, that they give, that they give up. Yeah. Um, and you don't want to be disappointed. I think that's more of what it is, at yeah. least for me. And so sometimes I'll just be like, you know what? I don't want to mess this up. I like to keep this image as is. Yeah. So I'm just going to acknowledge that they're here, but not, let's, let's yeah. not bring this. Play it cool. Play it cool. <laughs> yeah. And you kind of like size, you, you know, you kind of sit there for a bit, don't you? Like size each other up and you're like, I'm going to talk to you. And then they're obviously like, is this guy going to talk to me? And, you know, yeah. Like I met, yeah. I met, I met Jason Momoa at an airport in Brazil. And I, I shook I shook hands with him with the wrong hand. He, he was trying to get my phone. He was trying to get my phone to take a selfie. And I just put my hand in his hand and I was like, oh no. You know. <laughs> ah, that's really, really, really funny. Oh, it was cool. But it I, like I said, you know, he was exactly who I wanted him to be. He was such a nice guy, but and he laughed about it as well. And he was like, no, bro, give me your phone. And I was like, oh, fuck, sorry, you know. That's cool. I see him around town sometimes. Oh, or at, at least back in the day when you used to see people. Yeah. Yeah. It was really funny. Um, so to, to finish up then, I know we're, we're, we're getting to the end of the time. I know you're a busy man. Um, I usually do a few kind of quick fire questions at the end, but just before that, uh, I wanted to ask you one, one of the quick fire questions. I haven't asked anyone else this question. Oh shit. Is, is Kelly Slater's wave pool as good as it looks? Yes. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly Slater's wave pool is, um, it's like taking a one day trip to Indo. Yeah. 
it's like a, a boat trip that you go to in your car. For me, it's like four hours away from me. Right. And um, I've been three times. And each time is you just, you drive out of there being like, yeah, fact. Did that <laughs> really just take place? It just, it's abnormal. And I'm not just saying that because he's, he and Andy Irons are right over my shoulder. It, it really is the best. I was going to say, I thought that was Kelly on the picture behind you. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a photo from uh, this documentary that we did. Um, uh, with Andy Irons and, and Kelly said it was the first time that they'd ever gone on. Um, we got them to go on a surf trip together uh, in, after years and years of their like heated, heated hatred rivalry. Yeah, um, we, we did that trip together. That's awesome. I remember I was a kid and my, my favorite t-shirt for years and I didn't realize what it was, but I had one of the, I had an Andy Irons with the Japanese rising sun logo, billable. Yeah. And for, awesome. years, for years as a kid, it was just my favorite t-shirt. And like now thinking about it, I know like what that t-shirt was and I'm like, oh, that's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, um, man. Yeah. You miss him a lot. It was his 10, 10 year anniversary of his uh, passing earlier this month. Still seems like yesterday. Yeah, I know. Is it Stab are doing a? They're doing a documentary about it at the moment, or? Yeah, there there is one that 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 exists. Um, and this one comes from the perspective of of Bruce and um, other characters, and I, 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 there's apparently a bunch of a lot of never before seen footage of Andy ripping really high level waves around the world. So I think people are excited about this idea of almost like a an unreleased andy video part in the midst yeah. of the storytelling so yeah one of one for sure i'm excited to see it oh so uh, finishing up then two or three questions uh um, sure. where where is your your happy place click your fingers right now where are you oh man click my fingers right now i am in nelson british columbia uh sitting in a helicopter making my way up to Baldface Lodge, spending a good week in the backcountry, um, riding fluffy Canadian That's my happy place. Nice. That sounds that sounds very, very refreshing and very, very peaceful at the same time. Yeah, and it won't be happening this season. Um unless I decide to go to Canada and quarantine for two weeks to yeah. go snowboarding. I mean, that's the reality of, uh, of where we're at, Indeed. but uh, yeah. grateful. I've got a lot of friends sitting, waiting by the phone to know if they're going to be able to get to the Alps for the winter. And they're just all sitting there. Like, oh. I just saw this, this, all this controversy about it, especially within Europe where they're saying like, unless you're certain resorts are saying, unless you're, professional skier or snowboarder um <laughs> what <does that> mean? <laughs> like what i'm like that's that's the the dumbest thing i've ever heard because yeah. obviously like you're talking about a community of people who know how to hustle and figure out how to how to yeah how to to circumvent but i just thought that's just from a pr standpoint like don't say it out loud <laughs> that's so stupid isn't it everyone everyone's gonna yeah. find the way to like Get a, get a sticker on their board and be like, yeah, oh, it's all right, mate. I'm a pro. <laughs> Sponsored. Let yeah. me in. Exactly. 
exactly. Um, obviously, we have spent a lot more time um, in the in the house this year. Uh, what have you been What have you been watching over lockdown? I'm I'm a huge um, huge movie movie goer. What movies, TV? What have you been consuming over the last few months? I have been watching uh, Succession. Oh mate, it's so good, isn't it? Give me give me the third season already. I know, me too. Man, I also have a huge crush on Shiv. Do you? Yeah. Season a, season two when she gets short hair or season one? When when she got both. When she got the haircut, I was like, oh. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do see it. Get ha- haircut with the with the uh the executive executive power suit pants suit. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, I if I saw if I met the actress that plays Shiv in real life, I would be done. Like literally, yeah. I would be falling over myself. Put a ring on. Um, but uh, such a great show. All those characters. I mean, makes you t- that show takes whatever dysfunction you have in your family, yeah, and <laughs> just makes it look. You just want to go run and hug like the people you hate the most in your family. Like I love you so much. Have I ever told you yeah. how great, how great and normal we are, and compared to what this this shit is? Um, so yeah, I've been watching that. Uh, what else? I, I mean, I watched all the shitty stuff in the beginning of of like of lockdown. Yeah, you know, I watched uh, whatever the the one with the tiger people. Tiger King, yeah, yeah. which was depressing horrible um yeah i but succession um oh succession and i i really like the comedy uh on netflix schitt's creek oh i've not seen that yet oh schitt's creek is the best is it it's got yeah. a thingy from american pie the dad from american pie isn't it yeah and uh his son plays his son and co-wrote it with him and Shit's Creek is is pretty legendary um, I highly suggest I'll put that on the list I watched and um, I also rewatched uh Lord of the Rings oh mate that's you, you can't yeah I, I rewatched them in lockdown have you watched Ozark I watched all of that in lockdown I haven't watched Ozark yet but everyone says uh o- Ozark is is one there's just too much good shit now no that's the problem and I'm always surprised that time people are like oh we crushed such and such season two over the weekend it was like that's like nine hours like <laughs> what yeah. I, help help me budget my life better because on the weekend i'm just trying to catch up with the shit i didn't get to do during the week yeah that's good oh and Mandal- mandalorian oh dude I'm, I'm wearing the, the element mandalorian t-shirt oh look at you I'm, that's I'm great i'm here i watched episode four this morning so here's how how weird I am. I'm starting the second season today because the idea of not being able to watch oh, like yeah. at least a few in a row <laughs> was bad for me. So tonight, like, I have a, a whole setup of the manner in which I'm going to and oh, go and 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 enjoy the three episodes tonight. Like oh, that's. That's the date I'm going on with myself tonight. Yeah, that that's that's a good day. I've got a couple of friends doing that as well, but I just couldn't. I can't wait. I can't wait for it. Um, and then finally, you know, usually, uh, usually, <laughs> I respect I, it. Yeah, usually I I have a I have a beer with the with the podcast. I do like drinking a few beers. I think it, it helps the conversation. Are you a are you a beer man? And if so, what's the what's the drink of choice? I am. 
Uh, I am a beer man. I particularly love a brand of beer called Ten Barrel. Ten Barrel. Out of Ten Barrel. They're out of Bend, Oregon. Oh. Uh, this really, really cool brewery. They happen to be a bunch of guys that snowboard and surf. Uh, yeah. they, ha- they have an IPA called Cali Love um, that I love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you should have told me because I would have cracked one open with you. Oh, next time next time yeah i didn't want to i didn't want to have one with you because i know it's the afternoon there for you so i didn't I, I, actually it's kind of good because i do intend on doing the fitness this afternoon yeah and um if if i had i if you had asked me to i would have been like written off day and yeah. and and then i would i would hate you afterwards <laughs> yeah well, Mandalorian and beers doesn't sound too bad for later, mate. Does yeah, it? no, tonight it's on. Yeah. Mandalorian and, and a couple of beers for sure. Oh, man, that sounds great. Cool. Well, we will finish up there. Um, thank you so much, Salema, for, for coming to join. Um, thank you, man. Thank you uh, for, for having me and congrats um, on, on the podcast. Not easy what you're doing and um, being consistent, etc. Take it from a guy who has a podcast. I, uh, that's also something that we're doing today. Nice. Um, when, when, uh, I'm done is, uh, editing and, and getting some stuff ready for the next episode. Nice, mate. I'm excited. I listened to the one with Matty Matheson. I want to eat some of his burgers when I go. Oh, he's the best man. He's, 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 he's coming soon. Yeah. Yeah, sounds epic. Cool. Well, uh, thank you for listening, guys. Um, if you have enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, all the usual. Um, and I'm releasing this next week, so we're still in November. Um, I am sporting a ridiculous moustache on my face, and I am running now 100 kilometres uh, over the course of November for November. So please donate. I'm not far off my target, and that would be very much appreciated. And then I'll stop. That's talking. awesome. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you for listening, and we will see you for the next one.